Okay, first things first. Age and light work well together. Uh, those of you who aren't that point, someday you will be. Second thing, Chris, you got to tell your son, K.O., he just about stole the thunder of today's message. That was cool. Two weeks ago, Ben started a series in the book of Daniel. And when you first begin to look at Daniel, you think, this is a significant work. And how do we get through it? But one chapter at a time, one little bite at a time. Two weeks ago, he went over chapter one and find that Daniel and his companions, under the new name, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, along with some others, were taken out of Jerusalem and taken to Babylon. And they made sure that they select the brightest, the most well-educated, royalty, and the best-looking were on their way to Babylon. They were to go into three years of training to learn the language and learn the literature, and in a nutshell, to be assimilated to become leaders within the Babylonian Empire. And we get a look in the book of Daniel in quite a few places where that's exactly what happened to these four companions. The initial challenge in the red line that was, in, that was on the ground that Daniel could not cross, and that was eating the king's diet and drink. And so he proposed an alternative, a 10-day eating challenge, of which at the end of the 10 days of eating just water and vegetables, they were found to be healthier, wiser, and stronger than their counterparts. After evaluation by King Nebuchadnezzar, he found them to be 10 times wiser. And the key lesson coming out of chapter one, one of the key lessons, the God whom we serve is on his heavenly throne no matter who's on his earthly throne. When in difficult situations, serve God. Chapter 2. We found Nebuchadnezzar troubled and sleepless due to a dream. He called key wise men, key magicians and sorcerers, and through a series of three challenges, said, I want you to reveal the dream to me and tell me what it means. And with each time that he asked the question and it could not be produced, King Nebuchadnezzar was getting perturbed to a point where he finally said, all right, to death with you all. And that you all included Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Daniel humbly requested a meeting with the king and promptly went to prayer with his three companions. They sought the Spirit of the Lord. God revealed the dream and its meaning to Daniel, after which he prayed again with praise and thankfulness to God. Daniel shared the dream and its interpretation, which was complete destruction of all the earthly kingdoms represented in the statue, starting first with Nebuchadnezzar's, and then 
how eternal and enduring the kingdom of God is. Daniel, after this episode, was promoted to ruler of the province of Babylon. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were appointed over the affairs of the province. Now, we move to chapter 3, which is where we're going to spend our time today. There's two questions that I want you to keep in the back of your mind as this and as we get down to the end. Question one, how do we, as followers of Jesus, react in times of difficulty and challenge? And then second question, how do we grow deeper in our relationship with God? Before we get into reading this chapter in its entirety, there's a, there's a man that I want to tell you about that had a tremendous impact on me and our family. Mr. Bozard was his name. I have been blessed to be brought up in a church with Christian mom and dad, in a church where there was youth pastors, pastors, uh, Sunday school teachers, other members of the church that had a rich impact on our Christian experience and our, and our dedication to God. And every time I think about it, it is humbling and I'm filled with gratitude. There's one man, Mr. Bozard, who stands head and shoulders above most. Although at the time, when I was a teen, he was in his 60s and 70s, nice white hair. He cared for an adult son with whom he and his wife had adopted when he was a baby. Donnie is his name. Donnie had a debilitating disease that left every muscle and joint in his body stiff and rigid. Donnie could not walk, he couldn't speak, he couldn't move on his own, he couldn't feed himself, he couldn't take care of himself, get into bed, or even sit normally in a wheelchair. You could probably position a coffee table better in a wheelchair than you could Donnie. That's how bad it was. Yet, his mind was sharp. Donnie would communicate in audible moans, some reflecting humor, some excitement, some as if to say amen during a morning message, and with greeting of friends. It was quite impressive with the range of that moaning tone, and you knew exactly what was going through Donnie's mind. Mr. Bozard cared for him 7 by 24 by 365 with never a hint of grumpiness or despair. While serving Donnie, if that were not enough, Mr. Bozard always had a smile on his face, always took interest in others with words of encouragement or a ready verse of scripture to share, all from memory. Mr. Bozard had a profound spiritual impact on all of his circle including my mom and dad. He was not famous, wealthy, or accomplished as the world counts it. He loved Jesus, served Donnie and others to the glory of God. That's it. His steadfast faith in God was a mile deep. For sure, his knowledge of the Bible was substantial, and it ran deep into his soul. 
never a discouraged look on his face, never a complaint, but rather always looked to serve others in a way that reflected his deep love for his Redeemer. As we look at Daniel 3 this morning, we're going to see this depth and unshakable confidence in their faith in God in Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Before we get to our text, let's pray just a moment. Father, the desire of our heart is to grow closer to you. Father, we want to deepen our relationship, to know that even when times are difficult, we're going to grow deeper. Father, as we look at this text, I pray that our ears would be open to hear and the Spirit would be drawing to our attention the areas that perhaps need some attention. Father, we ask for your blessing on this time. Amen. Before we get into reading chapter 3, this chapter is a very familiar narrative. To those of you who remember Sunday school, it was a Sunday school lesson favorite of the fiery furnace. The events of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in the fiery furnace take place 15 years, approximately, after Daniel revealed the dream to Nebuchadnezzar. Daniel and his companions were promoted, remained faithful in their service to the king and the province of Babylon. They served well, using all of the wisdom that God had given, that they learned in Jerusalem, that they even learned in the King Nebuchadnezzar's academy. They had been in Babylon for approximately 18 years away from their home in Jerusalem. 18 years. As we read through this, I want you to note three sections. The first one is required submission, second is the response, and the third is the conclusion. Join me, it will pick up right in verse one, it will read down through its entirety. It is a great story. First, the required submission. King Nebuchadnezzar made an image of gold whose height was 60 cubits and its breadth six cubits. He set it up on the plain of Dura in the province of Babylon. Then King Nebuchadnezzar sent to gather the satraps, the prefects, and the governors, the counselors, the treasurers, the justices, the magistrates, and all the officials of the provinces to come to the dedication of the image that King Nebuchadnezzar had set up. Then the satraps, the prefects, the governors, the counselors, the treasurers, the justices, and the magistrates, and all the officials of the provinces gathered for the dedication of the image that King Nebuchadnezzar had set up. And they stood before the image that Nebuchadnezzar had set up, and the herald proclaimed aloud, You are commanded, O peoples, nations, and languages, that when you hear the sound of the horn, the pipe, the lyre, the trigon, harp, bagpipe, and every kind of music, you are to fall down and worship the golden image that King Nebuchadnezzar has set up. And whoever does not fall down and worship shall immediately be cast into the burning, fiery furnace. 
Therefore, as soon as all the peoples heard the sound of the horn, the pipe, the lyre, the trigon, the harp, the bagpipe, and every kind of music, all the peoples, nations, and languages fell down and worshipped the golden image that King Nebuchadnezzar had set up. Now the second, or we'll continue on, I'm sorry, the uh, required submission continues. Therefore, at that time, certain Chaldeans came forward and maliciously accused the Jews. They declared to King Nebuchadnezzar, O king, live forever. You, O king, have made a decree that every man who hears the sound of the horn, the pipe, the lyre, the trigon, the harp, the bagpipe, and every kind of music shall fall down and worship the golden image. And whoever does not fall down and worship shall be cast into a burning, fiery furnace. There are certain Jews whom you have appointed over the affairs of the province of Babylon, specifically Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. These men, O king, pay no attention to you. They do not serve your gods or worship the golden image that you have set up. Then Nebuchadnezzar, in furious rage, commanded that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego be brought. So they brought these men before the king. Nebuchadnezzar answered and said to them, Is it true, O Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, that you do not serve my gods or worship the golden image that I have set up? Now, if you are ready... When you hear the sound of the horn, the pipe, the lyre, the trigon, the harp, the bagpipe, and every kind of music, to fall down and worship the image that I have made, well and good. But if you do not worship, you shall immediately be cast into a burning, fiery furnace. And who is the God who will deliver you out of my hands? Second session, their response, next uh, two verses. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego answered and said to the king, O Nebuchadnezzar, we have no need to answer you in this matter. If this be so, our God whom we serve is able to deliver us from the burning fiery furnace, and he will deliver us out of your hand, O king. But if not, be it known to you, O king, that we will not serve your gods or worship the golden image that you have set up. Now the conclusion. Then Nebuchadnezzar was filled with fury, and the expression of his face was changed against Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. He ordered the furnace heated seven times more than it usually was heated, and he ordered some of the mighty men of his army to bind Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and to cast them into the burning, fiery furnace. Then these men were bound in their cloaks, their tunics, their hats, their other garments, and they were thrown in the burning, fiery furnace. Because of the king's order was urgent and the furnace overheated, the flames of the fire killed those men who took up Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And these three men, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, fell bound into the burning, fiery furnace. Then King Nebuchadnezzar was astonished and rose up in haste. He declared to his counselors, did we not cast three men bound into the fire? They answered and said to the king, True, O king. He answered and said, But I see four men unbound, walking in the midst of the fire, and they are not hurt. And the appearance of the fourth is like a son of the gods. Then Nebuchadnezzar came near to the door of the burning fiery furnace. He declared, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, servants of the Most High God, come out and come here. Then Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego came out of the fire. 
And the satraps, the prefects, the governors, and the king's counselors gathered together and saw that the fire had not any power over the bodies of these men. The hair of their heads was not singed, their cloaks were not harmed, and no smell of fire had come upon them. Nebuchadnezzar answered and said, Blessed be the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who has sent his angel and delivered his servants, who trusted in him and set aside the king's command, and yielded up their bodies rather than serve and worship any god except their own god. Therefore, I make a decree, any people, nation, or language that speaks anything against the god of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego shall be torn limb from limb, and their house laid in ruins, for there is no other god who is able to rescue in this way. Then the king promoted Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in the province of Babylon. There's several times reading of that that I'd like to almost break out laughing at King Nebuchadnezzar's thoughts, yelling into the fire, come out, come here. I find that a little bit humorful. The required submission in the first 15 verses. King Nebuchadnezzar had a, now get this, a hundred foot high, ten foot wide golden statue made of himself. <laughs> Upon completion, he summoned with what appears to be all the leadership throughout his empire. Now there's 127 provinces. Many, they were referred to as nations, peoples, and languages. And for most of them, many miles had to be traveled to come to the plain of Dura in Babylon where this statue was erected. Then, all were ordered to bow down, and a new word inserted here, worship the statue, and show submission Loyalty and respect. Why did King Nebuchadnezzar order this? The answer is not known for sure, but indicators can be gleaned from the history in our text. First, Nebuchadnezzar is known for two great things. One, a king of warfare, and two, rebuilding Babylon and several other cities. He is just concluding his warfare stage. His the empire uh, expansion was complete. It was consolidated. Interesting, Jerusalem was next to the last city. In 586, it went down. And in 585, the city of Tyre was taken down, and that was the end of the warfare. Now the time had come to rebuild, specifically 13 cities, with the most important being Babylon. Now was the time to establish forever his greatness. Or, maybe in the words of Daniel 15 years earlier regarding the utter destruction of his kingdom were haunting him. Perhaps the absolute destruction of the image of the gold, silver, bronze, iron, iron, clay mix in his dream was too much to handle. Something had to be done. Possibly the larger, full gold statue of just himself with the commanded submission was enough to avoid the prophesied end. We do not know, maybe. 
for whatever reason, the time had come to add himself to the list of gods, Marduk and all of the others. Self-elevation at its finest. Another red line moment was upon these companions. The moment had arrived. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were now standing at the red line and they would not cross. Faithful service to their earthly king? Yes, and done well. Cross over this line? Never, even if offered a mulligan. <laughs> there comes a time when our faith and loyalty to our heavenly king will be challenged. Most of the time, we don't know when that will come. Other times, there may be indication or even what they will be. Challenges can be small, large, mild, severe, life-altering, or life-ending. The key question, are we ready to remain steadfast in our commitment to King Jesus and God's revealed word? Just for example, consider a few examples. An event in your workplace has angered you, justly so. What's the response? You are at your wit's end with your children. Exasperation sets in. What's the response? A sudden serious illness is discovered. What's the response? On a larger platform, as our nation hurdles more and more to a post-Christian, anti-Christian value, a set of morals, what's our response? I've been attracted to several news articles talking about artificial intelligence and come to find out that the words creating a digital god is actually in, in play with artificial intelligence. Thinking to myself, what's our response? These challenges or others will eventually create very real and even complex situations and will test those who name Christ as king. We should expect nothing less as sojourners in this earthly kingdom. 1 Peter 1, 6-7 says it well. You have been grieved by various trials, so that the tested genuineness of your faith, more precious than gold that perishes, though it is tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Purified gold, our remaining steadfast in our faith, is more valuable than purified gold as a testimony to Jesus Christ and bring him honor and glory. Now, section two, the response. There are three distinct elements to Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego's response to their earthly king. What I find most fascinating is the king's question right before their response was, who is the God who will deliver you out of my hands? Okay, first part of their response back to King Nebuchadnezzar. Humble boldness. O oh, Nebuchadnezzar, we have no need to answer you in this matter. That's astounding to me. I imagine that's the first time King Nebuchadnezzar had ever been told such a message as that. We have no need to answer you in this matter, none. 
all seemed to be well with the king for 15 plus years. They did a great job in her service. And there were companions of Daniel who served in the king's courts. Now they're at the red line, crystal clear. There was no intent to cross that line. I am sure with a heart attitude of humbleness and sobriety, their response was quick, bold, and without any ambiguity. The second portion of their response. If this be so, our God whom we serve is able to deliver us from the burning fiery furnace, and he will deliver us out of your hand, O king. Undoubtedly, these three companions, they knew their Jewish history, they knew Passover, they knew the delivery from Egypt, the crossing of the Red Sea, provisions of food and water in the wilderness, the Jordan River crossing, taking of the promised land, and God's present with them. So many memories, so many blessings to be recounted. Their deep faith in their God, whom they knew and believed could perform a miracle and deliver them. Although they had one more point to deliver, I can imagine Nebuchadnezzar's head was ready to explode with anger. The third portion of their response, willingness to sacrifice all. But if not, be it known to you, O king, that we will not serve your gods or worship the golden image that you have set up. Even if we die, we're not going there. End of discussion. I'm finding there's... I'm finding that there's no more substantive testimony and statement of commitment possible than to be willing to die for their God rather than bow to another god. Take a moment to think about the depth of their faith. No indication they had to stop and think about it. (laughs) No, it was right there. It was automatic. There was no, at least audible, prayer at the moment indicating searching for guidance. They knew the answer. Now, I'm sure Daniel, who's in the king's court, is aware of what's happening, and I have no doubt that he was praying for his companions. Their response was automatic and displayed unquestionable resolve in their God. Oh, 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 that we would respond that way in times of challenge and difficulty. We can probably think of a moment or two even this past week when we've been challenged, and we didn't respond the right way or the way we should. I think we should walk away thinking, all right, we need to improve on this, and how do we do that? The final section, the conclusion, Nebuchadnezzar's facial expression changed. Now he was in a full, unstoppable rage. Urgent commands given. Heat the furnace to seven times hotter, bind them quickly, uh, clothes, hats, tunic, cloaks, and garments in place. Throw them in. Of course, the overheated furnace killed those who did the throwing. The king sought, the problem was solved, and a message sent to all the remaining leaders witnessing this event. What other leaders wants to be thrown in there? Problem solved. (laughs) But wait, 
With great haste, the king approaches, saying, Did we not cast three men bound into the fire? But I see four men unbound, walking in the midst of the fire. They are not hurt, and the appearance of the fourth is like a son of the gods. Verses 24 and 25. Verse 26, The king came near, servants of the Most High God, come out and come here. Then stated, they yielded up their bodies rather than serve and worship any god except their own god. The king promoted them again and declared anyone speaking any ill word about their god would meet their demise along with their household. I was struck this past week a thought of this story. A distinctly God-centered response amid a challenge will always amaze and astonish those who would be witnessing our responses. Always. First Peter again. Peter in chapter 2, verse 12. Keep your conduct among the Gentiles honorable so that when they speak against you as evildoers, they may see your good deeds and glorify God in the day of visitation. It almost seems counter to what we should do in times of trouble. Hunker down, be scared, find refuge, do something. But in the end, if we respond in a manner that displays our faith, trust, and confidence in God, in our Redeemer, it is always going to astonish the world and those in our unsaved community who are going to be watching and witnessing. Now, the key question, what to do? What to do with this information? These three companions along with Daniel in the previous uh, narrative that we read through. There's four distinct practices that we can draw out of their lives and I think is before us in developing a depth of faith and commitment, which is what we as believers need to be all about, developing that depth of faith. And there's four unique things. But first, we need to remind ourselves of our different starting points under the New Covenant compared to the starting point of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. They were looking forward through, through prophecy to the coming king. They were looking at the history of God interacting with the Jewish nation and had limited access to a small number of books that had already been written before their time but now are part of our greatest, our greater work, the finished work, the Bible. Now, under the new covenant, as saved sinners, we have been regenerated through the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ, the one whom prophecy points. Let's review some of the gifts provided through God's loving grace. Our sins are forgiven. We are justified. God looks upon us through the work of his Son. 
We are adopted as God's sons and daughters. The Holy Spirit is living and has been given to us and is present within. And what does he do? He guides, he explains, he convicts, he helps us to understand, and he pleads before the Father on our behalf. Just a partial list of things that have happened when we become regenerated people. This grace, given from a holy, righteous God to sinners who are worthy of only death and eternal separation, is unfathomable. Now, with a much fuller picture of what God has provided in our day, in our regenerated state, we also seek to grow our relationship with God. How did the three companions do it? It's not complicated, but it takes hard work. First, study and learn. A growing, deepening faith in Christ requires increasing knowledge of him. The three companions and Daniel displayed signs of never stopping to explore and remind themselves of God and his work in the life of the Jewish nation. We should do the same, searching new truths, discovering new truths, recalling truths, exploring deeper into the truths that we may already be familiar with in our relationship with God. In addition to your personal time in a word, take advantage of small groups, Bible studies, training opportunities if they have become available in this church. We will never be able to delve completely the riches of God's word, although I think it probably should be a goal, really. At the end of the day, the depth of our relationship with God and Jesus can only be supported by a deeper knowledge of what he is about and what he's done for us. The second is pray. Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego prayed while alone and together. I already mentioned Daniel was most likely praying as they're as his companions were making their way to the mouth of the fiery furnace. Active prayer in our lives, how much? I would probably suggest more is most likely. Let's renew in our commitment to communicate with our God, seek his help with the desire to know him better, reflect on how he has already worked in our lives, seek him in times of blessing and in times of challenge. The third, companionship. Surround yourself with a small group of companions that will provide encouragement and accountability. Look for ways to encourage when it is needed. Accept encouragement when it is given. Hold each other accountable either by just being there alongside or more difficult, engage as needed with an abundance of grace. Again, Accept it graciously if given to you. Again, small groups, men's groups, women's groups provide incredible practical tools and will be most helpful in your journey. And the fourth 
is practice. We need to reorient our hearts so that we view everything through the lens of the Bible as God sees it and what we need to do to His glory as He sees it. We need to create, as we reorient our view, it needs to become a habit. A habit that we work on every day. And perhaps, no matter the task, whether it, it, it could be just a normal day, whether it's working, changing diapers, volunteering, parenting, listening, it doesn't matter. Reorient your heart. It's not about me. It's about how I'm responding through God to interact in the lives of others. On the job, doesn't matter what it is. Make that a practice, every event of your life, even when life is what we'll call normal. Matthew 5, 16 may be a good verse to memorize. In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who's in heaven. Developing this habit when life is normal will follow you into the times of duress and challenge. My personal goal is to have the response of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and Mr. Bozard automatic in challenging times. Developing an ever-deepening faith is a slow process. We have to be persistent and willing to evaluate, evaluate ourselves honestly. Then, make course corrections as needed. One of my former pastors back in Pennsylvania would always say, you need to deal harshly with yourself when evaluating yourself. No cheating. It needs to be full-on honest and willing to call it out and willing to make a course correction. Let's each commit to stay focused or perhaps refocus on our journey. To be sure, it's hard work, but think back to what God has done for us as regenerated sinners and what he's provided to us. Our God will provide the strength and encouragement, and as we walk closer with him, our joy will abound. So not a difficult, not a complicated, reforced up process we see in these lives? Difficult? Sure, it is. We lose track. Let's use them. Let's add these three to your list of heroes that need to be followed, that are set as, as examples. And these three were even referenced, not in name, but in act, in Hebrews 11, in the great faith chapter. It's uh, truly amazing, and I have been challenged this week, <laughs> this last month, to be honest, with the degree of integrity and degree of commitment that they showed to their God. May we do the same. Let's pray. Father, our heart's desire is to grow deeper in our relationship with you, to display a deeper level of faith, to reply automatically to times of difficulty, times of trouble, times of challenge. 
we want to respond in a way that would bring honor and glory to you. Amen.